0: hey y'all we're back with another episode of black women healing and by and today we have a special guest on but before we jump in we first want to have a little conversation as we usually have and so danika what is not what is who is your favorite black woman and why who
1: stands out for you oh um, my favorite black woman is my mother um Nimi Vanita Brown. Um, the reason why she's my favorite Black woman is because, because of her journeys. I know we talked about that in our last episode, but just her journey of life and the resiliency of her as a, as a woman, as a Black woman, she's been willing to learn and grow with me and my journeys. As I've continued to want to try to get better, and when I, I call out stuff, everybody knows I'm, I'm an old curious, curious person. I've been like that for a long time, and she really just, she be down with it. My mom is so strong. She, she's been through so much, and I just love my mom. So my mom's my favorite Black woman. What about you, Myra? No, wait. So I want to ask you, because every time we talk
0: about Black women, you always talk about your grandma or your mom. So I want to challenge you and ask you to think of someone that you're not related to, that's not a friend, but that's maybe someone that you may be seeing, whether it be like in media or anything like that. If you could think of another Black woman that stands out for you that maybe other people might be familiar with. Well, first of all,
1: <laughs> Mara's a therapist, y'all. You hear her talking about, I want to challenge you. Okay, <laughs> okay. So challenging me. The second person that comes to mind when it's like outside of family because my I do love my family and that's probably why all the Black, when I say my favorite Black woman, is my family. But going outside of them, I would say, um, I consider a woman named Denise. She's a therapist as well as a mentor. And this Black woman, y'all, she has dropped so many gems and given me so much like free information. Like when you live in California, Los Angeles, Pretty much anywhere, people do not be willing to help you for free. Everything's a fee. Mm-hmm. Everything like, oh, a consultation fee, everything. <laughs> One, I'm broke. Um, you know, I'm working on that, working on getting a bag, but I'm a, you know, a single woman, you know, taking care of everything by myself. So when you find someone who's doing it because it's not about the money, but because she really wants to see black women like flourish. Like she's so dope. So I would say she's my favorite black woman outside of my family. Shout out to Denise. <laughs> All right, I did it. What about you? Uh so of course my person will be my mom too.
0: But I mean, I feel like this is easy for I feel like you can guess who my person is. Can you guess? My Angelo? Duh. <laughs> 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 yeah um uh, as far as like the cage bird like reference like i look you want to get that like tatted on me i really love maya angelou but you're making me think about like women who drop like free gems and i think about the budget are you familiar with the budget absolutely she yeah. like although she charges for certain things she's all about making sure that black women are good so like if y'all could join her facebook group she has a facebook group i can't think of the name right now but if i can remember it i'll share but just straight dropping like free gems all the time. She likes to celebrate Black women. She likes to celebrate Black kids. She even like created like a children's book. She does so much stuff and she does so much stuff for free while at the same time getting her back. So I really admire her and love like all that she's about. She's great. Yeah. You know, what about you? Me?
2: Um, I would have to say um, I would have to say, Danica Don't do this. It's too early. <laughs> Tell us why. No, let's do this. Tell us why. Girl. Well, um, ever since she came into my life. If you're talking about giving gems, she always puts and guides me to the right path, always telling me the right things Mm -hmm. that need to be done. And uh, not having real deal. I never had a real mother figure in my life. So, and I never really had too many people that I can look up to. So, by having a friend that I could, even though she's my age, she's wise beyond
0: years. So, therefore... Really would be her, yes. I'm happy that you um highlighted Donika because I was something in my soul was like, I feel like Donika is going to be the person, so I was like, I feel like Tina might say her, and you said her, so that's why I was like, Yes, we're going to go there. Donika is an amazing person, and you know, we're always talking about giving people their flowers, so we're gonna make sure you get your flowers, sis. Yes, <laughs> <Don't
1: know. laughs> thank you, I appreciate it. Um, but getting into today's episode, um, so I want to introduce my friend Tina. So today's guest is Tina Irvin. She is a 27 years old um, black woman. She has four children and she's originally from North Carolina. She moved to Kentucky at the age of 18 little months. <laughs> uh, currently she's finishing school to become a dental assistant at MedQuest College. Uh, Tina has been in the foster care system for six years. She been in, she's been in six different foster homes and she lived in three different group homes until she got adopted at the age of nine. So if you all haven't noticed, today's episode, we're gonna be talking about this foster care system. So Tina, tell us a little bit about yourself in particular, what has your day-to-day been like since COVID?
2: Well, since COVID started, it really just been, um, I've really just been practicing grounding myself for real, for real, Um, just getting just being able to take care of my children and hold down my household as usual. Um, And also just, I don't know, 2020 was a year of this pandemic and I really had to uh, ground myself Mm -hmm. because I I had, uh, I was doing some, a lot of shadow work, a lot of working on myself, uh, releasing old traumas and just starting to get to know me, for mm. level, for real, for real.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Let it be in. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm curious, you know, we're talking about foster care today, and just to give a little background, I don't know if y'all know for the people that are listening, but that's my job. So I specifically work with uh, kiddos in foster care from age two to like 22-ish, So I'm a therapist with that particular population. So I'm always wanting to learn more. And so I want to hear a little bit about your breakdown of your childhood experiences with the foster care system. Yes.
2: Well, my um, experience with foster care had been very traumatic. Um, Like Nika has stated, I have been in six foster homes. Uh, Just moving home from home, it, it really... It really just take a toll on you and drain you from a mentally, uh, physically, and emotionally state of mind, a state. Uh, uh, I've been in situations where um, at Pacific uh, foster care home that I was at, that I had got a gun pulled out on me. That was the most traumatic thing that ever happened to me uh, another thing was I had one specific uh, foster mom who really didn't like me because her husband showed uh, was attracted to me but I didn't even understand that until I got older and actually got to you know understand it as a older you know person you know older mm-hmm. person but and um, just other homes just really just physically and mentally, you know how you can feel the energy of people who don't like you. Uh most of I have to say most of the homes that I've been to were just basically after. And I didn't even know I never even knew that we actually even you know, I was so young I was like four years old, five, six, seven, eight during these times. Um mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, I don't know a lot because I'm a child. So I didn't really even get into knowing that they got checks from us until I hit like 14, 15 and looked into it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started, was I like, oh, making connections about a lot of things. Um, even just being, going to school, I went to 10 different elementary schools. Cause you know, when you get pulled out of home you get pulled mm-hmm. out of school too uh plenty of time where the social worker came up and I had to you know just walk out of that school and know that was my last day there and I was going to get thrown to something else then having to adjust to new environments uh even at school you know getting bullied uh, I remember when I was living in Homa and Innocence for six months I had a, a ride a short bus But it didn't have the blue sticker on it, but it was just like a little small bus that can take, you know, the kids from home innocence to the school. And I remember I went to Whitney Young Elementary and a lot of people was talking about me, you know, like, oh, you ride a short bus, you ride a short bus. But it's funny with that. In fourth grade, I was in fourth grade and um, we have, you know, how you write your folios, And I actually wrote a personal narrative about my experience this was the first time I ever ever wrote something about me that was true mm-hmm. and I didn't know they had uh picked like seven people to put in a book and we was all in a cafeteria and everybody was like you know got to read these books of these seven people that they um picked you know to go in the book and one of the um stories was, was mine's and I seen so many people came up to my table and was all like oh my god I just want to apologize I'm so sorry I didn't know that you was in foster care I didn't know you was living at home in any that's the reason why and you know I had people kids crying to me you know they was asking me to sign a little book and everything and mm-hmm. I don't know like wow. that was very uh that was a good moment for me though because you know I got to open up and be real wow. stuff from different lights.
0: Thank you for sharing that. It makes me think about um, the work that I do with foster kids. And one of the things that we do is creating a narrative. And hearing you tell this story makes me feel good that I'm actually doing that. Because sometimes I'm like, do I really want to do this with them? Does this even seem helpful? And so I've kind of strayed away from it. But one of my clients I'm thinking about in particular, her story still sits with me. And she always tells me, like, that really empowered me to, you know, continue on in life and hearing you say it is you know a reminder that yeah this work is powerful and the fact of you know the experience that you had just a reminder so i'm just thinking you like from me like it's reminding me that the work i'm doing like i need to continue doing it and most definitely uh, i'm curious about so when i think about you know the work again it makes me think about attachment and how you know when we're with our biological parents we built this attachment naturally. And when we have these different experiences of going to different homes, how you have this disruptive attachment. Like you might start to build this attachment with this person, but you're gone. This new one, but you're gone. So it makes me think about, you know, your experiences in attachment and how that's kind of grown. Cause now you have your own kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious about I don't really have like any particular question, but more so reflection if you could think about the attachments throughout your life. And then now, you know being in your kid's life and this is a new attachment that you've built i'm sure so i'm curious about that yes um well
2: with the attachments um i actually have attachment issues uh based off my experience i never really grew to attach to people because it wasn't me I was always an open person and wanted that because I was a child but it was other people they wasn't willing to give it and um as I got older I realized that you have to look be look at it from their point of view or how they grew up um prime example my adopted mother like um she that wasn't a good experience as well but she I had, as I got older, I realized that I had to look at it from her side. She probably, she gave a lot of tough love, but then she didn't balance it with affection. Mm. So, you know, she never sat down with me and had the talk of self-love and, you know what I'm saying, uh, just the womanly talk that you have with your mother, you know, mother-daughter bond. We never had that. It was always, uh, when I did ask questions, she always got hostile about it. So it got to the point where I was just quiet. But how that attached to now me having kids, I kind of told myself, you know, as we grow up, you know, young, I'd be like, no, I never want my kids to feel that way and all of that. But to keep it all the way real, it was hard for me to grow attached to my kids because I never did feel that. And I felt like I actually got thrown into having kids and then not having a mother figure, or like I said, even the women that I did grow with that was in foster home or my adopted um, home, we never had attachments. So it was hard for me at first. And I remember I used to, um, I used to call Nika and talk to her about it and be like, you know, how do I make the connection? She was all like, I know it's hard cause you're not used to it, but you just have to do exactly what you wanted. Hmm. That's just what it is. You have to exactly do what you want it, and I know it's kind of go against the grain because it's not what you used to, and you don't feel like you're not doing it right. Well, I don't know. I get, and then another thing, I'm also hard on myself too, mm-hmm. very hard on. Because mm-hmm. I know these things. So me and my kids got attachment. I am attached to all my kids, but it, in the beginning stages, when my when my first child was born, um. It took a minute yeah. it took a, and like i love my children to death always you know what i'm saying i go hard for them i'm breaking general curses i'm trying to fight this you know my my family is known for getting uh their kids put in the system my mother my sister so it's me that's trying to stop the general curse so i'm extra hard on myself all the time and i'm learning how to have uh be kinder to myself, but. Those attachments issues really do hit home, hit hard, but I'm finally working through them and I got it, but it was hard though. It was hard.
0: I love how you said, I'm finally working through them and I got it. That is so powerful to say that. And the fact that you said you just have to do exactly what you wanted. I think I will carry that like forever. If I can use that to tell my clients, I think I'm (laughs) going to do the same thing.
1: Yeah,
2: she most definitely can. It's, it's really, really true.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I'm, as you were talking, I was wondering, <clears throat> because, I mean, Tina's been my friend since I was probably like, ooh, I don't know, maybe 14, 15, wow. 15? Wow. Um, yeah. But, so some of this stuff, I'm like, dang, I don't, I don't need, I didn't, need, I don't remember and we probably have talked about you being in six different foster homes and three different group homes. And I, once I met you, you had already been adopted. But I was wondering, like going through the foster care system and then being adopted, do you think that that changed things for you in a positive way? Like, was it easier as you got older or did you, was you faced with even more challenges? It,
2: well, you know, the funny thing about that is I got adopted by my godmother. Um, this was the lady who, I lived in Earth Projects Project in Louisville, Kentucky so uh, almost she almost hit me when I was two years old. That's how she met me. And I remember she got out the car and she took me to my apartment. She took me to my apartment and she told me, uh, you know, she was talking to my mom and that's how we end up, she ended up getting cool. And ever since then she was my godmother. So when I finally was getting ready, you know, she, when I'm moved to Homeland Innocence after six months, she's the one that took me home, you know, got me out of there. So I was excited more than you would ever know because my that's what I've actually been praying for. Mm-hmm. But things changed. But now that I'm older, I, I can honestly say that like, you know, at the end of the day, I see that she had to be a parent, you know what I'm saying? And I understand that because I'm a parent of four. Mm-hmm. So she had to be a parent, but she also Like I said, it was just a fine line of tough love and not showing enough affection. That's all I can say about her is she showed a lot of tough love, but she didn't show a lot of affection. So growing up, moving from being nine years old into my, um, you know, into my adoption stages, it was kind of difficult because like now, like you said, I am getting older and I'm starting to see things and I still don't have no trust, trusted person to talk to about anything she never came to me and asked me what are the things that she went through or even you know thought about like I do have to love her a little different because of every you know the Mm traumas that she's been through um I don't blame her though because I just feel like you know everybody is going through their own stuff and like I said how she grew up probably she didn't get the same thing like she probably was grew up off tough love too so mm-hmm. and uh, you know she had three biological children, and just talking to them each individually, they all told me that you know they really they never really told their mom they love them or you know just had that affection or just you know even just wake up and say good morning, mom. You know what I'm saying? It was just you know they knew we love each other, but they just you know went through life. Mm-hmm. So that just that was but that was hard on me. Because it just felt like, you know, my whole life I was always quiet. I always was, um, I always felt like my my feelings, my, me, my, uh, I wasn't important. So it just kept going into my adoption stages. It just got a little worse because I was getting older. So I'm starting to figure stuff out and see stuff in a different light. But I mean, it made me who I am today. So, you know. I don't
1: know if I did that. Did I answer that? Yes. Yeah, you did. Um, You most definitely did. Thank you for expressing your personal experience um, and being open with us today. I think that this stuff is, it can be activating. Um, and we for sure want to make sure that you feel comfortable. So share as much as you want to. Uh, and really, you know, just whatever you feel comfortable. Going to this next question, because we've been talking about attachments and love affection all those things so how do you think the system going through this system has impacted your thoughts of love as an adult uh yes
2: it most definitely the system had affected my effect on my adulthood with love so i never uh had love growing up so and I've seen, you know, people in relationships. So I'm thinking that you're supposed to just get love from a guy. But, you know, this is coming from a wounded child. You know what I'm saying? Thinking this way. So I was looking for all the love in all the wrong places. I was... I was in the wrong places, basically. Oh. Two, two toxic relationships. And I actually dealt with a whole lot, tolerated a lot of what I did because I felt like it was my comfort zone. It was toxic, but my environment always been toxic. So I was comfortable with that. That was my comfort zone. And I never realized until last year that it wasn't, I didn't have to tolerate that no more. Just because I know how to tolerate a lot don't mean that I need to tolerate it. and just because I'm a familiar with a situation don't mean that I have to stay in it, you know. Just not having no type of family love and self love too. Like that's the main key to it all. I was just out here trying to fill this void that I thought that um, was needed by a guy or even a child, you know, and it wasn't none of that. It was myself that I needed it from. So that really put a, a step on my life with the adult
1: love. Well,
0: yeah. you mentioned last year, you realizing that it makes me kind of circle back and kind of have like a full circle moment of the way that we kind of travel through our journeys. And you lay it out very beautifully because you said, you know, as I get older, more things are in my face and I'm realizing more things. And when you mentioned, you know, you just realized it last year, you kind of were like, uh, when you said it. And I say all that to say, you know, on this journey, we're always doing the work. And when you talk about, you know, with COVID happening, you doing some shadow work. I hear a lot of like inner child work too. I yes. just find everyone listening that that's fine. It's fine to, you know, continue this journey of healing because you got to do it for you. And although some things are put in our face, um a little bit later that's fine because we still got to work through that shit right it's shit we got to yeah. work through so I just have to say when you were like last year I heard a little bit of shame in, and I want to say fuck that continue <laughs> do the work and continue you know you're highlighting the fact that you're doing the work and we got to give you the praise for that yes
2: I appreciate that I appreciate that yeah I, I do do a little like uh, last year because um last year was the last year of me finally just holding that childhood trauma in because I realized I can't be a victim of it and I have to face it It's like for so long I've been trying to run away from my problem run away from me but that's the thing it's me it's who I am it's my journey that's my story can't like, no one take that away from me like and it made me who I am today and I don't know it just took a minute for me to really realize that um I can't keep running for myself I have to face it and not be ashamed of it and her and hug my inner child and let her know that Mm. I I love you and I'm sorry
0: for running we were actually going to ask you a question about what you would tell your younger self and you're kind of going into it so can you just add more to it what else would you tell your younger self because I hear you would hug this person you would nurture this person what else I want to hear it all Yes, um, I would most definitely
2: tell my inner, uh, my younger self to, you are very important. You are beautiful from the inside out. And that's what made you who you are. You always, your feelings are valid. Mm. Your thoughts are valid. Everything about you is valid. You know what I'm saying? Your worth is worth way more than you can even imagine. Mm. You are really on this world to help people and you're going to see that when your time comes. But right now, just love yourself and let everything else release all of it. Mm. Because at the end of the day, you're going to get through this and you're going to impact millions
0: of life. Mm. You say that and I could tell you believe it and walk in it. And I feel like I hear people say this so much and I'm just like, you just say this you just say this but you said it with so much certainty and I really felt what you said
2: thank you it is it really is because I don't know it's just been like for years I just been like suppressing my feelings for this suppressing I don't know like my um let's see when I was younger in high school I remember I read this book called piece of cake about oh, yes yes I'll go suggest that to you Yes, yes. Yeah, I just bought it, re it on Kindle because I'm about to get back into it. But that book made me want to, that was my inspiration to make me want to uh, write my story. Mm. Yeah. Because you can always turn something negative into a positive thing. Yep. And when I was younger, even being in like group homes, I remember um, being in there, they used to always tell me, like the workers used to, because I used to come up with activities for us to do for the children. And, uh they used to always be like tina you got this on point like uh you should most definitely come back like when you get older you know go to school for it and come back and really you got basically you got a handle on this like you you really got this is your thing like you can do this and i was i was like 16 at a time when i was going through this and just coming up with different um projects for us to do that was very self-healing and I, i stuff out the back I didn't even know I could even do like it was just it was a very powerful moment when I left I actually always said that that's one of the things I wanted to do um you know even even if it's just as simple as getting to the point where I can go into um because I went to Our Lady of Peace I went to um, Brook and I also went to Home of Innocence going in and talking to them children and telling, just speaking to them and telling them like everything's gonna be okay even send them down talking to them about Mm self-love it's a lot it's a lot that goes on like it's a lot of people that I know um growing up just going into group homes and hearing their stories and you know everyone have a story to tell Mm -hmm. and everyone's stories are important that needs to be heard and can help other people and you just be so amazed and then you see these people and they and I'm still cool with these people I'm still on Facebook and they um they just shining, you know what I'm saying? They still, they doing their thing now. And it's just like, yeah, we came from a negative spot, you can say, but we came and made a positive way out of it. And y'all can do it too. And another thing, I'm sorry, another thing was like, I will never forget when I was in Timbrook, I, we got a, when we go to school, that's the only time we are around boys. But I was going in the hallway drinking some water and from the water fountain and this guy wanted to uh, do side the boys side, um what is it a counselor worker was talking to a guy outside the hallway I guess he had got in trouble and he was saying like you I know you get mad but you have to understand you put yourself in no predicament you know just give him a prep talk and then like I think he dude was crying the little boy was crying he was like you don't know why I've been through and he I was surprised what he said he was all like I walked down these halls I slept in them beds I went I came here when I was a child and it just touched me because it's just like, dang, you really don't hurt too many people mm-hmm. that been in group homes, coming back and being I workers know. there so they can relate to the kids and, and you know, get a deeper understanding and let them kids understand that, like, I can do it. You can do it. Right. I changed my came from this, too. And that was another powerful moment I had.
1: I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I get to talking. No, we yeah. like you. So you're good. yes i'm sure anybody listening to this right now regardless if you've been through the foster care system or not really appreciates all these words uh just going back to like your younger self you giving these like very strong affirmations and if anybody can use it in any way i'm pretty sure they're grateful we're grateful so thank you so much for breaking down of uh, some of your experiences, and if you could go back, some of the things you would say to your younger self. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know, Margaret, do we have time for one more question?
0: Let's just go ahead and jump into some takeaways.
1: Okay, perfect. So, y'all know we love a good takeaway. So, pretty much, Tina, a takeaway is just something to, uh, you know, end with like, hey, you can work on this, or this is what I would say. So, if you had to get a takeaway, uh, the main takeaway for our listeners today, what would you say the main takeaway would be?
2: If you ever been in a situation or been in an experience like this, um, let it go. Don't mm-hmm. hold on to dramas. promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think about it like Erica Badu, Bag Lady, Like you really do carry around bags that you don't need throughout your life because... You just think you just have to hold on to them, but you know, you never forget them, but you let to let that go. You gotta let the hurt and all the negative stigma and all of the just negative surrounding energy around it, let that go. So you can move forward and blossom into the person that you're supposed to be. Blossom into that butterfly and um, yeah, just release them traumas, mm. let us go. And I know it's hard, but you really just have to let it go.
0: Yep. Well, thank you so much, Tina. And we're so thankful to have had you today. This is a much needed episode. And I can say thank you a million times. I really enjoyed talking with you.
2: Thank you, too. I
0: appreciate y'all having me.
2: Um, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Of course. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed Tina. Um, That was freaking amazing. Just to hear her tell her story of, I just like witnessing people's stories. Like it's just amazing to me, and also to hear her journey. And I really appreciate her highlighting that. You know, when things are put in your face, your face, you're forced to face them. And sometimes we run from those things until we're ready, and that's okay. That's okay if you know you wait a little bit to face those challenges. That's completely fine. I think we gotta normalize that. Gotta do your healing when you're ready. So um that's my takeaway. Donica, do you have a takeaway?
1: Yeah, my takeaway is just like like Tina, like the humanity and like the the peace of being able to be open to meeting new people. When I first we was in high school, I mean, and so it's you know, high school's a mess anyways, but I didn't like Tina. She was real quiet, she was stir a lot, and I did not like her. And she has these beautiful blue eyes but it was annoying she would just stir all the time (laughs) and so I didn't like her and so to know like if me and her wouldn't have ever talked I would have never known all the things that she's been through like she said she was a quiet kid so she was one of those inside type of thinkers Mm -hmm. like if I would have never if we would have never talked I would have never been blessed with her presence so be open to meeting new people not knowing what they've gone through don't be don't judge a book by its cover like ever that would be like something that i would say to as a takeaway
0: yeah most definitely so we want to thank y'all for tuning into this week's episode as a reminder we will be reading the guardians of arisha by isaac john paul and i will be sure to share the link with you all and um the book that she shared was by cupcake brown called a piece of cake so i'll also share that link And thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of Black Women Healing Pod. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend.